Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Here's the podcast for The Jeremiah Johnston Show. And don't forget, if you want your question read on the live show, go ahead and send it to me at www.askjjj.com. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to The Jeremiah Johnston Show, combining cutting-edge biblical scholarship with meaningful, thought-provoking discussions and practical answers to your questions. It's time to own your faith and be a Christian thinker with our host, author, Bible scholar, apologist, and president of the Christian Thinker Society, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston. This is Jeremiah Johnston, and this program, we are focusing on the subject of religious freedom, and in particular, Christian persecution around the world. And if you are a Christian thinker, if you are committed to loving God with your heart, soul, and mind, it means that you're committed to having a conversant, informed faith. That means you understand and you're aware of what's happening in the Christian world, not just in your zip code or in your city or in your region or country, but what's happening around the world in your faith. You have your finger on the pulse as a Christian thinker of what's going on. And so, friends, I want to bring you right up to date. There was a historic meeting at the U.N., and this is not a political statement. It's a statement of historical fact that President Trump gave probably um, the most inspired talk related to religious persecution and Christian persecution in particular by a sitting president in the history um, in the history of our country. And that's not just my opinion. That's the opinion of many individuals and organizations that are bipartisan, that work w- across the aisles. Uh, this was a phenomenal statement about Christian persecution and religious freedom. And I'm going to talk to David Curry about that in this entire hour, who is the president and the CEO of Open Doors USA, which is a bipartisan organization. They're a Christian ministry dedicating to helping the persecuted church. Now, I first became aware of the work of Open Doors, not just USA, but Open Doors United Kingdom, when I was a doctoral student. I can't remember if it was 2009 or 2010, but I intended a fascinating doctoral seminar where the director of Open Doors UK, a fabulous Irishman, presented for an entire hour on the persecuted church. And friends, at that time, I was not informed. I was not conversant. I think I had heard stories about modern day Christian persecution from, you know, the Jesus freaks, the DC talk materials. Uh, But outside of that, I just did not have an informed conversant faith and certainly not a real-time understanding of Christians who were being persecuted, how, when, where, and why. And it really opened my eyes. And, and back then, now going on a decade ago, I joined the Open Doors prayer team. I became informed about what's happening with Christians. It's a matter of prayer in my personal devotional time. And friends, we need to be aware that Christian persecution in particular is increasing. And I'm going to, we're going to learn that in today's broadcast. I mean, there are countries we're going to learn about today that are employing facial recognition, artificial intelligence software devices into the pulpits to scan if you are under the age of 18. You're not permitted to be there. Just think about that. I'm not talking about a novel or something apocalyptic that we see on Netflix. I'm talking about things that are happening that are being documented by Open Doors USA. We're also going to learn that there are countries at the top of their list that you may be surprised to learn are some of the most dangerous places to be a follower of Jesus. And of course, we're also going to learn about the history of Open Doors 
course, launched by Brother Andrew. When you think about uh, that b- fabulous book, God's Smuggler, have you ever read it? It's a classic in Christianity. Uh, Brother Andrew launched Open Doors USA. Um, so we're going to learn a lot today. You're going to be informed. You're going to be excited. You're going to be encouraged. And guess what? You're also going to learn. What can we learn from persecuted Christians. We talk, we're going to talk a lot about what you can do today, immediate steps, how you can help Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ who are being persecuted. But we're also going to talk about what we can learn from the Christians in these countries who are being persecuted. And also, of course, as always, join our email list at christianthinkers.com. Stay in touch with what we're doing on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I'm constantly putting up free resources for you, recommended books, commentaries, how to interpret your Bible better, how to be a better Christian thinker, how to inform and equip and resource your faith in more intelligent ways. So make sure you're connected with all those mechanisms on social media. We do that for you to minister to your heart. Uh, And then also, thank you so much. I want to just say this is the beginning of the program. I'm overwhelmed. I'm delighted. I'm blessed and I'm grateful for many of you who are leaving such fabulous reviews across the different podcast networks about this show. I'm so excited that you're growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. We have David Curry holding. I'm ready to get right to the conversation, and I want to encourage you to prepare for this interview. Go to opendoorsusa.org. We're going to be basing a lot of our discussion in some of the blogs he's written there, and then, of course, this fascinating world watch list. We're going to be back with David Curry, Open Doors USA. We're going to be discussing the persecution of Christians globally. Stay with us. And joining me right now is David Curry, president and CEO of one of the most important organizations in the world, Open Doors USA. David, thanks so much for being on the Jeremiah Johnson Show today. Thank you for having me on. David, I think that your work, as I just said, is utterly important, and I know it's going to date this program. And by the way, we have thousands of people that join us through our podcast On Demand, but I think it is so pertinent I want you to reflect for a moment right at the beginning of this interview about this very interesting blog you've written about your experience listening and you were invited by President Trump and on behalf of persecuted Christians and all who support and advocate for them to attend his recent speech at the United Nations. Can you update us on that from your perspective and your experience? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, One of the things Open Doors does regularly is we talk to the State Department in every administration uh, that w- will listen. We we did it with the Obama administration, the Bush administration before before them, and now with the Trump administration on what's going on, the data, and the stories of persecution of Christians around the world. Because I really feel like religious liberty, the issues are, that that are central to some of this this discussion we'll have today are really important for Americans who are spending money around the world and have have business relationships around the world through our government. So in that process, we've gotten to know the vice president and some of the people at Secretary of State uh, very well and Ambassador Sam Brown back there at the the, uh, State Department. And they invited us to come to the UN and listen to the president's address to some 92 foreign uh, uh, leaders of foreign countries on religious liberty, not just for Christians, but also uh, Muslims who are being persecuted for their faith in parts of India, parts of China, uh, uh, other faiths as well that are being uh, persecuted. Religious liberty is a real issue right now. It just so happens that Christians are the largest uh, 
group that is persecuted for their faith. And people say, well, how is that even makes sense. But there are just a lot of Christians around yeah. the world, and they are minorities in countries like China, the Middle East, Africa, where you just have a lot of Christians and they are persecuted. It's almost, you know, it's, a, it's north of 250 million Christians live in an area where they are in some way uh, oppressed or uh, pressured for their because of their faith in Jesus, which is a shocking idea for people, but it's true. It is. And can you, and again, friends, I want you to know right now, we're speaking to David Curry, the president of Open Doors. This is an organization that is a go-to organization for me. David, I have cited you in my unanswered book, in my unanswered Bible study and video series. I've cited you in Open Doors in my latest book, Unimaginable, What the World Would Be Like Without Christianity. You all are truly one of the go-to places, sources for religious liberty um, or the lack thereof, persecution of, of Christians, um, not only for governments, but for other entities like universities around the world. Can you just talk for a moment, though, for the benefit of our entire audience who may be hearing the term open doors for the very first time, would you just give us a spectrum of the ministry um, and then how God is using you in the ways, and I know you can't share it all on a broadcast that's nationally syndicated like this one, but what can you share with us that Open Doors is doing around the world? Well, let me start with, the, with uh, and I could do this fairly quickly, with how it all began, because it'll Please. give people an idea about the scope of Open Doors. But we began with a man named Brother Andrew, who was a Dutchman, who, when the Soviet Union r ruled the, the world, he decided that he wanted to make sure that the Christians in Russia had access to a Bible. So he loaded up his VW bug, and he smuggled Bibles into the Soviet Union to support those persecuted believers. Hmm. Now, he wrote a book about it called God's Smuggler, which people um, who've been uh, in faith for a while will recognize it sold millions and millions of copies many years over the past many years. But from that, we... That expertise grew a network of supporting uh, Christians where they were persecuted, first in the Soviet Union, and then into China, and then the Middle East, and now it's around the world. And it's, in essence, what we do, Jeremiah, is we want to look and ask the question, what, where are Christians most persecuted? What is it they need to first survive, to, to stand and be able to practice their faith, and then to hopefully thrive over time. Mm. And the answers to that question are vary across, around the world. For example, there are some places you still can't get your hands on a Bible. It's very difficult. So we're, we're wanting to make sure that people have access to a Bible, that they can read the words of Jesus and decide for themselves what they think about it. That's all we're really attempting to do there. We're not forcing anybody into a face. We're not forcing conversions. We we don't start churches. We just want to make sure people have access to Bibles and can and have the freedom to to decide what they think. And so, but there are other places where they clearly have access to a Bible, but they might have laws and rules, blasphemy laws and anti-conversion laws, which make it difficult for them to become a Christian or to practice their faith publicly. So we'll go in and try to advocate on their behalf. You can begin to see how. It really makes for a wide-ranging uh, uh, ministry because you're in 60 countries plus that are there are high levels of restriction, and we're trying to answer the question: What is it the church needs to be the body of Christ to be salt and, and light, and tr and try to do that in an effective way. 
And uh, that's a, that's what Open Doors does today. We're still fulfilling that original calling to stand with persecuted Christians. And David, can you just take us into the laboratory for a moment of what do you say when you minister to those Christians? Let's take India, for example, and we're going to do an entire segment, so stay with us the entire hour, friends. We're talking with David Curry, the president and CEO of Open Doors USA. When you're looking at those Christians who are being persecuted, what is your message to them? That, that is a terrific, terrific question because it leads to some real understanding. What I started to do when I first got intersected with Open Doors is I was always looking at, well, what is it you need or what can I do for you? Soon enough, though, I realized what I have, they, you know, they need, definitely need, but what they've learned, I need. Mm, so there's wow. this idea that, that what they're experiencing, think of it like this. I mean, you've got believers in North Korea who, and there are followers of Jesus folks in North Korea, Amen. many, many, many of them who, if they're caught with the Bible, if they're caught talking about Jesus, if they're caught sharing their faith, singing the songs that you and I sing freely every day, if any of that happens, they're going to, at a minimum, spend probably the rest of their life in prison, and sometimes worse. So what does that person know about a walk with Jesus, his ability to sustain you, his ability to be there in the dark moments, his ability to bring mm -hmm. joy in, in darkness? I mean, those kinds of things. So when I'm with persecuted believers, more often than not, I'm like, what do you know? What? Tell me, teach me. Okay, And wow. we're also having the conversation, what do you need? Of course, because... There's stuff they need. They need Bibles. I want to help them get that. They need support. I want to help them get that. But it's almost always that I'm learning from them. Some One of the things I learned is the joy. They, they're happy people. It's striking. Are they really, David? I mean, being yeah. persecuted, they're, they're joy-filled. They really are. Um, wow. People would be unsettled maybe at how often there's just laughter and joy because that's God is present there, and it kind of wow. comes down to when when it's all you've got, you realize it's all you need. That that old saw. Well, guess what? It's mm. true in a lot of ways. That's not to minimize some of the things that people go through and the traumas and the difficulties. One of the things we've gotten into now is trauma care, mm. it, because we just realize there are some things that could take a long time for people to work through and process, maybe the rest of their lives having lost people, having seen things. It, some of these folks in northern Nigeria where the, these extremists have attacked Christian villages or people who've been affected by ISIS, that stuff will stick with you. But the presence of God to bring spiritual peace in the midst of actual real suffering is still present, and it's powerful. Mm. Hmm. Friends, this is so powerful, and I, I, I do want you to join David's email list at opendoorusa.org. I give my unqualified endorsement of all of their work. It's fascinating. It's helpful. Um, David, we only have about three minutes until our first break, and I just know people are already sending me questions at askjjj.com just pertaining to this subject. But I do want to just ask you to talk about the World Watch List, something that you all have been doing now for, is it, am I right, to 20, 25 years? And can you just uh, make sure everyone is aware of that? Yeah. When we decided to figure out that we were going to 
spread around the world, we figured that it's we need more than anecdotal information, just stories that are passed around. We need real statistics to find out what's going on. So initially, we did it for internally, began to get survey and researchers to figure out where are the most difficult places. Some time ago, about 25 years ago, we began to realize that this is information to be helpful for governments, for churches, for the body mm-hmm. of Christ to know what's really happening. That's the world watch list. We update it every January. Uh, it is trusted, the most trusted source, a grassroots survey on persecution in the world today. These are real numbers. That also means that whenever you read the world watch list, it's always going to be worse than you see there because this is only what we can document wow. what we we believe to be true. If there's a lot of information we can't get out of North Korea and some of these places, but what we can document makes it the most difficult places at the top of the list. The World Watch List is something you can not just see through a data point, but as as a reference to pray and to also know where God is working and where we need to be focusing our prayers and thoughts and, and efforts. Wow. Friends, join that list. You can have it emailed to you. You can share it in your Bible studies. I've cited it in all of my uh, published works that relate in somehow or another to persecution of Christians. Um, David, you said something powerful on your blog. We only have about uh, 70 seconds until the break, but you said President Trump's words were the strongest ever supporting religious freedom by a sitting president on the at, at the UN. Give us 60 seconds about that, if you You would. bet. Um, first of all, Open Doors is Bipartisan. We just want a Republican or Democrat, anybody who's excited about helping persecuted Christians, we would work with them. But the reality remains, even on a la carte basis, this president is, is speaking out forcefully. I, there's never been a president, to my knowledge, who's spoken about religious liberty at the UN, certainly not the way he's done it. So on this on this point, I give him strong uh, a strong grade. He's speaking out. He's got a strong team at the State Department, all of who are focused on uh, how to make religious liberty. It's part of the American ideal. It's really our first liberty. If you can't decide Amen. what you think and believe, do you have any freedom at all? And he's been great on that. And I, I just want to notate that, you know, there's so much stuff in the media, and I agree with you. We have Republicans, independents. Um, Democrats, everyone who listens to this program, and we're so grateful to have all of them learning how to become Christian thinkers. But I do want to stop and just recognize how remarkable this this was, and I think your blog does a great job. Friends, we're just getting started. Uh, we've got to take a quick 90-second break. We're going to be right back, and I want to talk to David Curry about the most dangerous countries in the world right now for our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Stay with us. You're listening to The Jeremiah Johnston Show. everybody. Welcome back to the program. I'm joined by David Curry, president and CEO of Open Doors USA. Definitely follow them, connect with them on social media. Their handles are at Open Doors USA on Instagram, Facebook, and then Twitter is at Open Doors. Facebook, excuse me, is Open Doors Fans. So be sure and check that out. And if you go to their website, there are also links to their social media. David, right now, um, we have questions that are coming in. What are the, you know, we hear about North Korea and we're concerned. We hear about China. I personally have been uh, with the underground church in Beijing and other places in China. But right now, what has your, what has your undivided attention? I know you're thinking about 60 countries, but what country right now is the most dangerous if we're followers of Jesus? 
Well, let me give you one that uh, is at the top of that list as far as uh, most dangerous that might not be on people's radar, and it's Nigeria. It's number 12 on the world watch list. Mm. Uh, but, but as far as number of people killed for their faith that we can document, again, there's some we don't know about in North Korea, but it would be Nigeria. And wow. it's a country that's interesting for believers in the sense of it how it gives us a picture of what's happening in Africa as a whole, because there are millions, tens of millions of Christians in Nigeria, but they're often located in the South. So you have a country that's divided. You have Sharia law states, extremist Muslim groups, two of them really, Boko Haram, which is associated with ISIS, and a group called the Fulani they both have an agenda, uh, Islamic agenda, extremist agenda, pardon me, that, that wants to push out Christians in these villages and areas in the north. And so for the, you know, since about 2008 or so, they've started to do that. And they they have succeeded to some extent in making mm. it very difficult for Christians to live there. There are thousands and thousands of people who are still missing, uh, millions who have been displaced in the north of Nigeria. And you can almost draw like a belt across the middle of the country and say, to the north, this is a very dangerous place to be if you're a Christian. To the south, you're free as can be. Wow. Now, that's important not just because of Nigeria, but because if you were to sort of pull back and look at Africa, you could say the same thing about Africa, that in the south, there's countries that have a lot of Christian faith. Across the middle, there's a belt and a band of persecution. And in the north, you have countries where there's strong Islamic presence and even Islamic extremism. And when you have the clash of those worldviews, you have persecution. And the extremists fundamentally believe they can force people to into Islam. Yes. And this is where we have a problem with the extremist worldview, obviously, is they want to, through Sharia law, impose forced marriages is a big issue, uh, uh, and, and forced conversions. Uh, this is happening in the north of, of Africa. It's The persecution is happening in the center, and I think it threatens a lot of these countries in the south. So it makes Africa, I think, is you know based on the data, but it's also me sort of looking forward and saying how this might play out. I think it's going to be the most violent theater for persecution in the next 10, 15 years. Wow. And, and in, at the same time, so many Christians in the country of Africa – I mean, isn't that interesting when you think about it? Oh, it's, it's a huge number of Christians, uh, but often, as I said, in the it, more to the south, and uh, obviously less so in the north. But uh, I think this, when you have a, governments like you have in Africa, where you have a, a lot of corruption, you have demographically a very young population, uh, so you have. A, lots of young people with so much corruption and not a lot of opportunity to move up. You have sort of the conditions that are ripe for violence, for issues around government, uh, you know, uprising against government, but also the kind of conditions where the extremist group can co-op some of these young people and mm. for a certain price, get them to um, be part of their group, which we saw in the, in, in Iraq and Syria when ISIS was passing out money to, to join the gang. So wow. we think it would be a significant problem. Let's stay on your airplane, David. The, <laughs> let's go to another country in the world, 
And let's discuss India, a place that has my attention um, in my research, and I want you to educate me on this program. Uh, but I've done quite a bit of work historically how Christianity has made the world better for women and children. Am I right that India is the most dangerous place in the world to be born if you're a female? That's a question. And and am I correct? There's been nearly a thousand incidents in, in the calendar year 2018 that you all have highlighted that are happening to Christians in India. Yeah, there's just a whole lot going on in India. Now, just to give people an idea, when we talk about India, without a doubt, most Christians know a missionary who's been in India or was in India, and they know an Indian uh, who they love and respect because it's, it's, it's been a partner for, with the United States and with the West for, for many, many years. So hold that idea in your mind, but then contrast it with the fact that based on our data and everything we see, India is number 10 on our world watch list, which puts it above Syria last year, puts it above Nigeria, and just below Iran as far as freedom for Christians and their faith. Now, that those, wow. those things are hard for people to get their mind around, but we have to understand that since 2014, and there was a new government that came in in 2014 – who's still in power, there's been a 200% rise in persecution of Christians. It's part of their political agenda, the ruling party, and they are both looking the other way when mob violence or gang violence happens against Christians. You talked about some of those you know, massive spike in incidents. But they're also implementing pressure on Christians through government and rules, and they've recently tried to pass a new law of you know, sort of for, uh, about anti-conversion, pressuring Christians, anybody who wants to change their mind and be, move from Hindu to Christian. Um, if you talk about about Jesus with somebody and they decide to do that, you could be you could lose your business, your house, uh, wow. your church, where it is. So there's a major shift that's happened since 2014 in India, and it's made it a very difficult place to be a follower of Jesus. Having said that, there's 65 million plus. Christians there who love Jesus, they're excited about their faith, they're sharing their faith, they're living it out, they're just facing enormous pressure. Wow. Wow. And so I have so many questions to ask you, David. We're definitely going to have him back, friends. Don't worry. I hope, David, you'll become a regular guest and contributor on this program. We're so excited about the work that you're doing. I just want to jump around, if I can, with you. Um, I had an experience, my, my, my wife Audrey and I have always had a heart for persecuted Christians, and very similar to your story, um, what we can learn from them, not just ways we can help, but all that we can learn from their vibrant Christian faith. And I have an experience of taking three days to find an unmonitored bus uh, to visit underground clandestine missionaries in the underground church in Beijing, China. And so China has always been on my heart as well. And we have we have seen uh, those of us who are informed and conversant faith and are careful Christian thinkers this significant uptick. Also, you've talked about two hundred percent in India. Can you just talk to us for a moment about the increased persecution in China? Yeah, it, for for many years it was near the top of our world watch list. Then it was dropping significantly for a few years. It's it was number twenty seven this last year and i expect in the 2020 list it'll be quite a bit higher because of this pressure uh president xi has consolidated power over the last three to four years uh he has i think woke up as i think the entire structure is waking up but i think he's driving it 
to this one idea, and this will, I think, help frame for people why the shift from opening up to Christianity to cracking down on Christianity. Here's the here's the thing that they understood that we need to understand. There are now more Christians in China than there are members of the Communist Party. There's about 90 million members, so to speak. They maybe not all enthusiastic, but uh, of the Communist Party. But there are over 100 million very enthusiastic followers of Jesus. Now, I think those are going to be great citizens in China. And for a long time, that's where China started to look at it. But I think now they they want to co-opt the Christian movement. They want to co-opt the underground church or force them out, the Catholic church or force them out. Uh, They already have more control over the three-self church. Mm-hmm. the nationalized church. So it's it's just that realization, I think, hardcore realization, wait a minute, if if Christians were to get organized and, and rebel, maybe they wouldn't support our government and our corruption and all these other things. And so they're beginning to try to find ways to pressure Christians to, to sign off. And it's not the first government's done this. There are lots of governments that try to get religious leaders to sign off on their political agenda. But we, we need to think big term. We're first citizens of the kingdom, and the Chinese church is coming up against that 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 challenge themselves. Yeah. I mean, I read, David, and please correct me if I'm misread, but I read that, um, and well, I've experienced in my own research first, that the most, uh, one of the top, if not the most, number, the number one question among Chinese uh, young young adults, is, they're most curious about Christianity. And so in some places, minors, however they define that, are barred from attending churches. And yeah. I've even read that the Chinese government is employing facial recognition, artificial intelligence software to scan crowds of who's going in and out of these churches. I mean, is that really happening? Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. And that's data that that first came to light through Open Doors in our World Watch List is this use of facial recognition. China has the ability now. They they keep social scores already. So imagine they have a list and they say, here's how good a citizen you are, A, B, C, D, wow. um, you know, failing grade F kind of thing. And now they have the ability to track, to monitor there's several prominent churches that have been shut down because the pastor refused to put a facial recognition camera on the pulpit, sort of looking back at the people so they oh my can gosh. see who's there. So these aren't these aren't you know small cases. These are significant cases. Now, where China's going with that, you let your imagination go. Uh, I, I don't know, but we know that it's not good, um, and I don't think. You know, I, I don't want to overstate it. It's bad enough as as we understand it, and so that that's one of the issues. Not allowing uh, young people under the age of eighteen to attend on their own these kinds of things, I think, is you know just more restrictions, more more trying to control the church, monitor the church. Uh, we've seen a bit of what they're doing to to the Muslims in the northeast part of the country. They're rounding them up and putting them in, uh, you know, camps. Uh, you know, the, they, the Chinese government is trying to control the expression of religious liberty. Uh, Christians are the main people that they're, there's just more of them. But but it's not unique to Christians. It's also Muslims as well. Mm-hmm. Any other countries? We've got about two minutes left that may not be on our individual radar, but should be before we go to our final segment. Well, I think Pakistan is an area that 
is number five on our list, but it's one that you, you could be so influential for the kingdom. There's a strong church there, but uh, there's laws, blasphemy laws, and other things that make it a very difficult and dangerous place for people. But I think Pakistan is one of those areas that could be very influential for the kingdom, and we need to pray for that church and and that there's a refreshing there and a protection there for that church. I think it's one that you need to have on your on your radar and on your prayer list. And friends, um, we're talking to David Curry. He's the president and CEO of Open Doors USA. Please connect with them on social media, Facebook, Twitter. Join the World Watch List email list. Be informed. Now, I've had many questions, David, from individuals saying, okay, what can I do? What are immediate ways that I can help open doors and thereby help uh, Christians who are being persecuted all over the world? We're going to be right back in 90 seconds with answers to to your questions. Stay with us. You're listening to the Jeremiah Johnston Program. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnson Show. I have having um, a delightful discussion. And if you're just joining us live on the network, either on the Central or Eastern Time Zone, wow, this is a program you need to go back and check out. We're discussing persecution of Christians around the world with David Curry, president and CEO of Open Doors USA. David, I heard the president mentioned at the UN 250 million Christians being persecuted is that number accurate? Is it and is it increasing? Has it increased historically? Like what was that number? You know, five, ten years ago. W- what direction is that number going? It's going. It's going north. It's it's going up. Yes, that number is accurate. The tr- the president was quoting from the World Watch list there, uh, as he did a couple other data points in his speech, and it just goes to show. I mean, we used to a decade ago we would have said there was a hundred million Christians uh, as China was opening up. Um, that, that that number was going down because Christians had quite a bit more freedom now that has shifted both in the pressure on the number of Christians in, in India and China, of which there's a lot, has, has helped that number get up to north of 250 million Christians under pressure. David, is it hard for you to, like, I just wonder what it would be like to go to church with you in the West, you know, and in America. <laughs> I'd like to go to church with you and just, is it hard for you to come home and go to Western Church, and, I, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot, when you see what's happening around the world, it must just break your heart sometimes. And therefore, what should we do about it? And I'm sure we should start by just being informed, but I don't hear enough about Christian persecution like I think we should. So can you just yeah. talk about that for a few minutes? Well, I'll tell you, maybe you could post a link to this on your website, but I wrote an article a few weeks ago on the USA Today about this because it does hurt me to see how self-focused the the American church is. And it's really, I think, starts with our leaders. We've got to get, um, you know, sort of a wider view on what's happening in the body of Christ than, than just uh, the latest uh thing we have going in our own congregation, sort of step back and understand what is our role biblically as the body of Christ when there are people under persecution. There's some bad theology in there. People are like, well, Jesus said we're going to be persecuted. And then they sort of imply that that means then we sort of accept it and just let it go and forget about it. When when there are some clear uh, scriptures address, we're supposed to lift up, pray for, care for people who are in chains for the name of Jesus as if it were our own family. So I do have some challenge when 
when I see that, and I think the Western church is asleep on this subject, we need to wake up. I think we're going to see a shift. We are, we are seeing clearly a shift in how people view Christians here in the West. I don't think it's anywhere near what what we've seen thus far around the world. But I think it shows you that uh, we need to consider how we would feel in this situation and kind of you know, take it more to heart. But having said that, I'm also optimistic because the church is vibrant. The persecuted church is vibrant, and that spreads wherever Jesus is mentioned around the world. Whether it's North Korea or Sudan or Somalia or Pakistan, India, wherever the name of Jesus is mentioned, he does very, very well. So let's take comfort in that. It's not all bad news. We have to be realistic that the pressure is growing, persecution is growing, and we have a role to play. In, in both advocating, speaking up, caring for, praying for the, our our family around the world in persecution. But let's not do it in sort of hang dog, you know, kind of unbiblical style. Amen. How do we discuss this with our children? David, I have a 10-year-old daughter who has a heart for the Lord, a 7-year-old son who has a heart for the Lord. Then I have triplets um, still working on their heart for the Lord. <laughs> They're three. Yeah. Um, but how do we talk about persecution to children? Because I do think they should be made aware of it. But how do we do that in, a, in an effective well, that's way? Cr- yeah, that's a terrific question. It maybe leads to something you finished the last segment in, is what Open Doors has a lot of resources, and I think uh, we try to provide both Bible studies and various things for pastors, leaders, small group leaders to use in all different ways. And there are things for children as well that you could that can help. But I think fundamentally, if you want to just sort of put a summary on it, it would be tell people stories of real life heroes. I was invigorated in my faith when I read the story of Brother Andrew who started Open Doors, smuggling Bibles behind the Iron Curtain. Was it about being a James Bond smuggling? That was part of it to my <laughs> 16-year-old mind. But you know, what? The, when I have gone back many times and read it, of course, it's a story of his faith. Yes. And what, when, when, we, when we sort of segment out, here's the bad news, and we separate it from the faith walk and the strength and the courage and the boldness of people living for Jesus— those two got to go together because mm. that, that's that's the heart of it. So when we're telling stories and letting kids, there's videos online, opendoorsusa.org, and Bible studies and prayer lists and all kinds of stuff, is to round out our faith through this and just let kids, they'll figure it out. They they know what courage looks like. They know what boldness mm. looks like. They know what heroes look like. And there are a whole bunch of them being created right now under pressure. And there's an opportunity there, I think, with our children, parents, for those of you that are listening, to pray for these countries on the World Watch List and to make them a point of emphasis in our family devotions to have a worldview that's not just so family-focused about our needs, but praying for, yes, the missionaries in these countries and the persecuted indigenous Christians in these communities. I don't want to waste any of our time, David, but I join you. One of my, the things on my CV now is I am a Bible smuggler, by the way. Good. <laughs> I, I had the privilege to smuggle Bibles to Santiago, Cuba, which I wrote about in some op-eds, and that was quite an experience. So I learned a lot through it, uh, but I love telling people that. So if you're not a Bible sm- smuggler, become one, friends. Um, I do want to, I want to jump right now, David, to, to some questions that have come in. People really, they hear you, they get motivated. What are immediate ways that those who are listening to you right now can help? Well, I think the easiest and probably, you know, one of the most critical things is to 
become a prayer partner, meaning share these things, pray through them. I want every church every Sunday praying and talking about the persecuted church. But we have an app, Pray for the Persecuted, on every platform, Android and Apple and so forth, and it will give you updates. So that's an easy way that people can download the app and you can have prayers available when it happens. Uh, And we don't inundate you for it. We never ask for money on it. We're just telling you, people, here's what's happening right now, if you can pray for it. And there are multiple ways in which prayer is central to what we're doing, because there's a lot in, you can imagine, in North Korea and so forth, there's a lot to do, but there's also some level of just needing to pray for our family there and, and know that God is at work. Then I think what I encourage people to do is look through the world watch list and then see those countries and places and people, the stories on, on opendoorsusa.org, where your heart resonates. It might be India. It might be China. And and then realize that there are things that you can do to support the persecuted church. We have projects. It could be Bibles. It could be any number of things where you can support the indigenous church there to first survive and then thrive in their environment. So it need not be just, you know, sort of throw up your hands and say, oh, I don't know what to do. No, there's stuff to do. There's any number of ways you could support Bibles and projects and training for pastors who are under tremendous pressure and trauma resources for for people in northern Nigeria who've lost their spouse because they were killed for their faith. This isn't a one-off sort of thing. Over and over and over again, we're doing this, and you can be part of it. Churches adopt these kinds of projects, individuals, small groups. So from the very spiritual to the very practical, there's a lot to do. David, you don't have to answer this next question. This is excellent. And friends, I hope you've taken notes because I've gotten so many questions from you about how you can immediately support. And obviously be informed, by the way. Be informed. Be conversant about this. Discuss it. um, Highlight it. Talk about it in your Bible studies. Do you have a Delta Force group? I mean, do you have individuals that ever say, David, I want to go with you to these countries, and can I actually go and help physically? Well, if people who are familiar with the story of Brother Andrew know that we started as Bible smugglers, and, you know, we that's, that's within our DNA. So we absolutely will go anywhere and do anything. We are a presence ministry, so we're always there with the church. The reality is that that, how that looks is different. So I'm trying to answer your question without answering your question. (laughs) 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 But uh, but but trust me that there there I think the need when when I hear about ministries that are sort of air dropping things into difficult places, I think that can be necessary um, and helpful. But it's it's not sufficient. We got to go be there with them, and that's that's our calling. Okay, David, I can't believe how fast this time has gone. Will you please come back to the Jeremiah Johnston Show regularly and give us updates? Anytime. I'd love to. Okay. We only have 60 seconds, um, and I just want to ask you this. I wanted to ask you about your unanswered question, but how do you stay encouraged when you are in a ministry dealing with the persecuted Christians and you see this uptick of of what I'm going to call evil around the world? How do you personally stay encouraged? Final question. Yeah, I, I stay encouraged because I see a lot of the answers to prayer, I, I I stay involved with that. I see the joy. I know the people. So it's a good counterbalance, um, and I'm excited about what Jesus is doing, and so that, that, that keeps me excited. 
Amen, friends. We're going to be back to the program with some final thoughts on the other side of our final break. Stay with us. And friends, check out Open Doors USA and our good friend, David Curry. Hey, welcome back to our final segment. This is Jeremiah Johnston, and I do want to share with you about that experience I had smuggling Bibles. Um, I I love telling people I'm a Bible smuggler now, and actually something phenomenal came out of this. And it was a step of faith for me, Um, just a little bit of context and background. I was invited as part of a leadership delegation to join other leaders with the Museum of the Bible organization because they had been working with leaders in the communist government of Cuba to bring a free Bible exhibition to the city of Santiago. So go ahead and check out on a map. Santiago is about as far away as you can get from Havana. So we're not talking about the tourist era. We're talking about a different city in Cuba. And we flew from Miami on Eastern Airlines. That might date you, the new Eastern Airlines, to Santiago, Cuba. And we put on a Bible exhibition that lasted for six weeks. I was there for opening night. It was remarkable You can just Google my name and op-ed with Bible going to Cuba, and you'll see my detailed remarks because it was a truly transformational event um, in my heart and in the heart of everyone who was there. The entire city came out. There was such expectation to see not only the Bible artifacts, but the illustrations that the Museum of the Bible had brought into the cathedral, which, by the way, was the only church that I could see. And we drove all around Santiago and beyond, by the way. There were no other churches. Uh, That's where the exhibition was happening in the cathedral. And people would stare at those illustrations, the stories of the Bible. They would weep. They would get emotional. They understood it. They saw the message of the Bible, of God's redemptive love. It was powerful. Well, I called my good friends at Lifeway, and I said, you know, hey, I'm going to Cuba. Um, Can you send me some Spanish Bibles? So they sent me two or three cases of Bible that said, Bibles that said La Biblia, uh, you know, the Bible in Spanish. And my wife looked at me just about as the time I was ready to head to the airport. She said, well, don't you think we should put those in a suitcase? (laughs) And I said, well, you know, I hadn't thought of that, but I guess. Um... So she actually unwrapped the Bibles. She put them in this suitcase that was very heavy, and I flew them with me to Florida, um, where we would connect with Eastern Airlines of Miami and go on to Santiago. Little did I know when we landed in Santiago, we had to go through security to go into the country of Cuba. Now, just think about that. Don't you normally go through security before you go to a destination? And they would pick random bags to actually open and search. In fact, I would say the majority of our leadership delegation, their bags were searched. But guess whose bags were not searched? That's right. My bags were not searched. And uh, subsequently, my, my bag went right through with all the Bibles in it. And all I had asked is that they would send me pictures of people actually getting the Bibles. Of course, we did this all for free and gave them away in the name of Jesus. And I have some of the greatest pictures, friends, of Cuban Christians getting the Spanish Bible, and they have a smile on their face like it's their birthday, and they're holding their own, many of them, their only copy of the Bible. Isn't that awesome? Don't you want to be a Bible don't you want to be a Bible smuggler? That's why I tell people it's on my it's on my list now. It's a uh, it's something I put on my CV. So I would encourage you smuggle Bibles, be active in what God is doing around the world and he's still very much at work. He's very much at work in these countries where there are persecuted Christians. 
And he that has begun a good work in us, Philippians 1 says, will bring it to completion. Amen. And that means that God will bring his work to completion in your life. He'll bring his work to completion in the life of his church. But we need to be informed. We need to be conversant. Let's do those things that David Curry encouraged us to do. Let's be prayer partners with open doors. Let's be aware and informed about brothers and sisters who are struggling. Friends, it's been wonderful to have you on the program today. We've got so many great programs lined up coming up in the future. Be in prayer for everyone who works on this program behind the scenes. And stay in touch with us at ChristianThinkers.com. Thanks for joining us today on Faith Radio Network and the podcast. And I also want to thank you so much for sharing this program. Don't forget, especially a program as unique as this one, where we've had so many facts, figures, information, overload about the persecuted church. Don't forget, we, we turn these into blogs. And so you can share that on your social media and, and your Bible studies. So be sure and find that on Faith Radio Network's website and share it with your friends and family. And definitely pray for this ministry as well. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us. And I look forward to see you next time on The Jeremiah Johnston Show. Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Thanks for listening to the podcast from The Jeremiah Johnston Show. I definitely want to hear from you. So if you have a follow-up question from today's program, you can submit it to me at www.askjjj.com. You'll also see how you can connect with us from there across social media. And don't forget, these conversations are available because of listener support. And you can make a gift right now to the Faith Radio Network at www.myfaithradio.com. And to avoid missing future editions of The Jeremiah Johnston Show, please subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. You can do a Google Play RSS feed. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of the program.